Hello Waterloo Road fans, Tom here, your podcast host, just dropping in before we get going to remind you that you can vote for us at the British Podcast Awards in the Listener's Choice category. All you need to do is go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote, search for the podcast, input your email, and then your vote will be counted and you will be able to support the podcast in that vote. I would also like to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon, if you don't know, is a subscription service where you can pay a small subscription fee to creators like us and get access to exclusive content and lots of extra stuff. On our Patreon, we have extended versions of our interviews. We have Waterloo Road Awards looking back at particular series. We have our reviews of other school-based shows, including Teachers and Britannia High. Lots of fun stuff. If you head over there now and uh, subscribe, you can get all of the content, of course, and also find out the identity of our next Waterloo Road cast interview that has been revealed on the Patreon, so that's worth uh, going and taking a look at. I would like to thank, of course, our current Patreons. So thank you to Eliza, who is on Instagram at Multifandom, which is M-X-L-T-I dot F-X-N-D-C-M. Thank you to Matthew Kumar, to Joe Buckle, to Tom Percival, to Emily Berry, to Hannah Louise, who would like to shout out NHS Mental Health Services, and to Georgia Leah, who is known as The Avocado Bath, on both Instagram and TikTok. Thank you to all of you, and without any further ado, let's get on with this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. I am your host and Waterloo Road superfan, Tom Beasley, joined as always by the increasingly weary Luke Stevenson. Hi there, Luke. Hi, Tom. It's just like, it's been a year now since <laughs> I thought, it, like, in a lot of senses, like a lot of people's stories these days start with, it's, well, it's been a year now. Yeah, they do. They do. And... It's, it's been a year since I was like, okay, what can keep me, you know, creative during all of this, like, being shut down? What can keep me connected and speaking regularly to friends? Oh, I know, I'll do a podcast. And sure, it won't be a lost podcast. I'll let Tom have his little idea. And now, <laughs> four, four series and 17 episodes in, I just hate television now. Like, this show has put me off television. I mean, you've got this mood. People will be listening to this. It'll be, like, June, July. People will be, like, raving with glow sticks around their neck by this point. I know. know, Licking their nearest and dearest indiscriminately. But I I am... I'm I'm strong. I'm waiting for it to hit its peak, but it isn't. And I think part of it as well is that they run out of, like... They introduced a swathe of, like children characters at the start of series three and they have now run out of ideas for those characters to the point now where I just hate them and (laughs) none more so than Alicia and Danielle who I just I despise with every fiber of my being and in this episode they're just at it again they exist for no purpose than just every now and again it's like we're gonna have a theme and Alicia and Danielle are gonna cause a little bit of drama about it yeah they don't they don't have character they're just little independent natty spirits that travel around making life miserable and something like putting Janice to one side how dare they I know that's unforgivable what they've done to Janice absolutely unforgivable yeah. um, they they shot Maxine 
put Janice to one side and they replaced it with, this is what they were singing about when they said they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. That's what they did. <laughs> we are in the parking lot. <laughs> we are in the parking lot and it's full of Alicia's and Danielle's. <laughs> So uh, the episode begins. Um, Steph is back at school. She says she's been off for two weeks, you know, looking after Grace. She's claimed to have shingles. It's Shingles is a good one to claim because shingles is one of those illnesses everyone's heard of, but no one's fully aware of everything I, about I, shingles. I, I, I said, <laughs> my first note is, what is shingles? Yeah, no, it's a really good one because everyone, everyone's, yeah. Everyone sort of knows about shingles, but no one knows anyone who's had shingles. <laughs> and it's not the kind of illness that would make you reticent to invite someone back. No. Like, if it goes, oh, I've had, you know, I've had, like, hepatitis or meningitis, you go, <laughs> take a few extra wings. Um, so we're then introduced to uh, Tash, who's our kid of the week. She's apparently a close friend of Alicia and Danielle's. So um, close we've never seen her before. So close we've never seen her. She's been photographed in the Rochdale Observer. It's not really clear why. <laughs> they kind of introduce it as that some guy just spotted her walking down the street and went, oh, you have the look, I need to take pictures. But why do they have model shots in the Rochdale Observer? Yeah. I, I used to work at a local newspaper. That was not part of my remit. <laughs> like, Walk the streets of Weymouth looking for attractive young women. <laughs> You've been doing that for a long time in Weymouth. Yeah. I'm allowed to say that. My other half is from Weymouth. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, the history, like, you'd think the history this show has, right, you know, in, in this school, in the last couple of years, there have been sex attackers, there have been PE teachers, no, there have been, um, well, PE teachers like Rob, who are just crazy people, but then you've got, like, a, um, supply teachers who have come in, abducted a child, and somehow Tash is just like, yeah, so I was walking down the street and this random man with a camera said he wanted to take photos of me. This ending up in the Rochdale Observer is the best thing that could have happened. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the best the case least, scenario. That's the least bad situation <laughs> that, that, happened, that just happened. Like, we've all seen fame. <laughs> yeah, it's all... So that storyline is very strange. Also, we did the student wants to be a model storyline like four weeks ago with Janice. Like, just it's so recently. <laughs> and this one, they didn't even have the heart in this episode to do it, did they? No. They didn't have the heart to like, you have Danielle just go, oh, I think it's really shallow, and that's it. Like that's that's the extent of their moralizing over it in this episode. Then it's just yeah. like a uh so uh, in the staff room, Grantley has also returned to work after having his his heart attack and being in intensive care. Um, um, the um, we haven't watched this show for a while, but the previously on done me a dirty this week because they did not include this in it. So I was like, <laughs> when the hell did that happen? What is going on? There are a few moments list where I'm like, what? Like I didn't even remember that Chloe said she was going to give up the baby. <laughs> they didn't put that in the previously on. <laughs> Yeah, they put it in the next time when it was the time for it, but they did put it in the previously on. Very strange. Um, so yeah, Grantley's back after his heart attack. Tom, for some reason, blames Jasmine for it because she caused him like, stress over the dossier. It's just like it's just like accepted canon by all the teachers in the school that Jasmine caused a teacher to have a heart attack because she expected him to uphold standards. Well, it's very interesting. It's all very, all you're turning on your own. I know we're both watching Line of Duty at the moment. It's all very oh. how the police react to AC-12. <laughs> I'm interested in one thing only, band coppers. 
that's going to be so non-topical by the time, time this comes out. Um, the um, one thing I did enjoy because the show is building its own mythology is someone refers to Grantley as knocking on heaven's door and the headline on the racing post, Heaven 17. Uh, oh, very good. This doesn't just this doesn't just happen. People turn up and they put it together. <laughs> and isn't that just a little bit sad? <laughs> um, so Jasmine's also been promoted to acting head of English. For a school with so many English teachers, she cannot be like the most tenured one. <laughs> She's just the only one who wanted it. Yeah. Like, I guess like, she she did apply for deputy, didn't she? A yeah, while yeah. back. And we 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 assume she got it. We don't know. Tom's like, I, I seem to remember like a storyline about episode one where Tom just wanted to quit. So I'm not certain Tom's ever had his heart in any of this. So for, for, for Tom, the school is just a meet, a mating ground. <laughs> Very much so. Um, just, I don't want to, I don't want to be the lion of Pride Rock anymore, but it's where <laughs> I get my meat. <laughs> um so uh, yeah, Matt's still working on the choir. They've got like a choir final coming up and they've decided very Glee style to do an original song. <laughs> Marley's written the music and he's done that. He smashed it. It's in the can. But he enlists Flick to do the lyrics. What's Matt's job? <laughs> it seems like Matt's job is just like, right, who's a couple I can put together for some form of payoff in in the end of my because he's like he had Jasmine write his musical yeah I mean you'd have thought he didn't list Jasmine the writer of the hit song suddenly last summer <laughs> oh my god he's got um, just children writing songs but Mar- Marley's talking about it that him and Flick could spend more time together he says he's still paying her dad back um um, the show is just not explaining that to us and, ex- no. and saying we have to accept it he doesn't um, owe his dad anything <laughs> Uh, so uh, Flick bumps into Philip, calls Philip freakoid, um, tells Steph that Philip's been stalking her. The show seems to want us to have sympathy for Philip. Yeah, which is strange because he's done uh, nothing since other than be a creep from day one. Not even just this storyline, since day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it really, like, they keep going at it in this, that, like, Philip's been a bit, like, hard done to, like, oh, he's done his, he's done his time, let's leave, let's leave him <laughs> off. Like, no, no, no. Like he, he gave this young woman a pair of his aunt's underwear not two weeks ago. <laughs> I am pretty certain that is an early episode of Dexter. <laughs> yeah, very bizarre. Um, so uh, they're having a debate about modelling among the girls. Again, we did this story. Yeah, we've done this so recently. Like, Alicia's really into it. Danielle's talking about how it's dead shallow. I, we've done it. We literally had this episode. And it's we, been and done. we also had, and because every episode is like this, it's just Danielle and Alicia disagreeing over something. <laughs> yeah. For no reason, just yeah. for shit thing gigs. Yeah. So um, Tom, Tom is like hurling books around his classroom. He's oh, got yeah. them like under his arm and he's like and, launching and they're, like, <laughs> they're brand new books as well. You can see them. The, the backs have not been broken on those books. He no. is just like, get over there. You, ye, ye. <laughs> Very strange. Um, so uh, Rose comes and sort of hovers in the doorway. Tom goes to see her. She wants to sort of chase up the mark for her English paper. Tom says, oh, it's Grantley that's marking them. That's why it's taking a while because he's been away. I'll chase it up for you today. We are, as always, in one of Steph's French classes. 
Uh, this everyone, time around, though, everyone speaks French. Well, this time around, it seems that in Steph's absence, someone has been teaching them French. How dare they? Even Bolton is is using some French. I uh, and I. So uh, Tash is very angry about not being taught by by Miss Haydock. Starts a chant of "Teach us" until Steph throws her out, and then very fittingly, we get "Can't speak French" by Girls Aloud. It's too on the nose. It's just <laughs> it's too on the nose. But then, and then, like, what does Steph moment. say? What does Steph say as she leaves the classroom? She says. Practice your oral. Get into no, pairs and practice your oral. <laughs> she was like, we know Steph could hear that. We know Steph yeah, could yeah. hear that. That is catnip to teenagers. But also, <laughs> it's like, I believe, you know, you see in the corner of the screen, I believe at that point, Bolton simulates oral sex on Paul. I did not see this. I'm going to have to rewatch the episode. You have to watch it in the back. But Bolton, he makes it, he, he just opens his mouth so wide and he just goes <laughs> at Paul. That is definitely something the actors did on the day. And then <laughs> no one noticed until the editor went, oh God. <laughs> Eight o'clock on the BBC. No. <laughs> um. So we get a brief throwaway line about how Dante is working in a fish factory. Well, Dante's work. I he's, tra- he's a trained mechanic. He's a trained mechanic. He's a DVD pirate. He's got he an MVQ. He was in a crash for 10 minutes a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He's still working in a crash. Oh, um, Christ. <laughs> but but it does mean we get a nice little Janice line because she says, "Don't let him near the baby; it'll come out with fins." Very good. Always nice. good to see Janice getting some uh, getting some some one liners. Um, so Dante shows up. He's going on about how he can sort things out as usual. He's been in touch with a housing association to get them sorted out with somewhere to live with the baby, and then he'll get his own business, whether it's cars, DVDs, or fish. Is unclear. <laughs> Or childcare. He's got or ill. Being a travel he agent. And he was a <laughs> many skills of Dante Charles, honestly. Um, but like, here's the thing: Have you ever been as optimistic about anything as Dante is about his ability to no. do everything? No, I've never been in any way certain of any career path I've done ever. Like, yeah, <laughs> Dante like, is a hundred percent certain of all of them. Right. Like, <laughs> I have a degree and I use that degree in a job for five years. And in during none of those five years did I ever feel like I was the right person to be there. <laughs> and then when I got my other job, which was in something not really that related to it, I was like, oh, I definitely don't deserve to be here. And no amount of people telling me, oh, you're doing a good job. I'm just like, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> it's just all no. eventually my walls are going to come crumbling down around me. Absolute confidence from uh, from Dante. Chloe tells him to come into the real world, says they can't bring up a kid, and that's why uh, they need to give the baby up for adoption. Um, Steph then goes to see Rachel about Tasha, um, and Rachel suggests, well, there's been good reports from the supply teacher. Maybe it's your teaching that's the problem. You lost control of the class. Steph fires back with the allegation about Philip stalking Flick. It's all about to acknowledge that Steph's a bad teacher. Like people know, they just say it out loud. Yeah, and it's just—it's just. I was—I was really taken back by the fact that she was saying it. Um, yeah. That was something. Yeah, no one said it since Jack Rimmer said it, and then he got accused of sexual assault. 
Uh, and Steph says, like, oh, where's your, um, you know, you're letting your personal life interfere. Steph, Steph is saying that. <laughs> um, and but it's also, it, it's, it's not like she goes, look, my sister used to work here and I stole her boyfriend and she hasn't been seen since. <laughs> I stole her boyfriend and her child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I might have sent her to prison for bigamy. So don't tell me <laughs> I don't see the difference between the personal and the professional. Yeah. But this this leads to some Rachel and Eddie drama because, of course, it does. Um, Eddie's not bothered about the staff room gossiping about um, him and Rachel. He wants them to go public rather than do this American... There's this, equip- there's this um, dichotomy between American-style dating, which is non-exclusive apparently and english dating where we're very exclusive i'm not sure that's as obvious a, a division as Eddie i think thinks. it's basically just like a tv show like he says the word dating i i can't associate the word like dating isn't a word that we commonly hear no in this country i don't think when people that say oh i'm dating this person it's like yeah i mean i I, I i ended up in a relationship aged 18 and i'm still in that relationship so i have no idea <laughs> no no i have like <laughs> I have what I dream about. I don't have evidence. <laughs> I have the life untraveled. I don't have yeah. the... Uh... <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's very much just like, oh, I learned relationships from American TV. Mm. That's like, are we going steady? But the question he's asking is, are we in a relationship with one another? Yes. Which is just it, like, they've been in a relationship with each other for seven episodes at this point. Yeah. Like, of course they are. It's just really weird. He's basically just upset that, like, Rachel won't tongue him in the corridors. And it's like, yeah. well, whether, like, in any manner of professionalism, you know, if you're married, don't do that. And then Eddie brings up, like, oh, what about all of Tom's inter-school relationships? So it's like, two-thirds of those have ended in death, Eddie. He's not your role model. <laughs> no, like, the ones that haven't ended in death have left. He's <laughs> just vanished. Like, like literally, in... literally three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, Tom has a great record of in-school dating. Come on, let's just get it on. Yeah. It's strange because Eddie's only in about two scenes of this episode. I mean, this it's is very... definitely definitely the point where he totally checked out. <laughs> Neil Morrissey just refused to leave his dressing room. <laughs> like, look, you got, me for 20, you got me for 20 minutes and I'm filming all my scenes. <laughs> Um, so Rachel uh, challenges Philip about the flick situation. Um, he brings up what happened at the party where she was all over him as a sort of attempt to, to throw Rachel off the scent of him being a creep. Yeah, that thing where she was too drunk to see and clearly yeah. an emotional distress. Yeah. Your, your one good moment, Philip, where you... <laughs> <laughs> where you refuse where you... to take advantage of a apoplectically drunk girl. Yeah. Um, so Chloe goes to talk to Kim about adoption. It becomes clear that Chloe's a little bit naive about the process. She thinks she basically gets to pick the parents um, and uh, hasn't told Tom about it. But Kim says that you and Dante and Tom need to sit down and talk properly and get all the options. I had I had more notes about the Rachel and Philip scene that I didn't share. Oh, no, please, please do go. Um, first of all, it's like Rachel says, Philip goes, who, who told you that? And she says, I won't tell you. And the next sentence she goes, well, Miss Haydock says. Yeah. She would crumble under torture. And then, <laughs> like, when... Yeah, goes, Rachel would get nowhere at, at Paul and Bolton's Abu Ghraib, would she? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel says, are you still pestering her? Philip said, who said that? And all of the audience just yells, the evidence, Philip. 
the mountains <laughs> upon mountains of evidence of your pestering. Yes, indeed. Do you have anything to say about the Chloe and Kim scene, or should we move on? Kim says that they aren't like adoptive parents aren't checked for like wealth. I don't think they're like all like wealthy, but it's like it's a trope that adoptive parents are traditionally upper middle class parents. Mm. Um, and that is like as part of the approval process, it's do you have the means to take care of a child? Often one of them, depending on the situation where a child is adopted, often one of them is encouraged to give up work to become a full time carer for the child, at least while they settle in. So like she seems to like kind of scare Chloe with the idea that she could like anyone can adopt and her child will go to a family just as weird yeah. as her and Dante's and it's it's part of the show like starting it's kind of moralizing against Chloe yeah absolutely oh my God, we're gonna allow we're gonna allow a young girl to make her own decisions we must <laughs> stop it you're right because what they do is they they use that as the whole this is why adoption is bad thing which will go over and over and over throughout this uh, next few episodes to the point where you've got multiple characters basically suggesting it's a morally repugnant thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I think it's in the next episode, but at one point I will say this show is emotionally abusing me and I will mean it. <laughs> there's, your, there's your trailer. <laughs> um, so uh, Tash has been sent to the cooler by Steph. Um, and despite the fact that everything we've been told about Tash is that she's a perfectly polite straight A student, she gets bad girl music. She gets boring by pink. And it's like, I'm a bad girl. Just because she's in the cooler. They're, they're really like, who was on the music this week? Because other than can't speak French, I knew none of them. Yeah, it's it's not not a vintage week for music. Yeah. Boring by pink. Who's ever heard of that pink song? It's 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 very much an album track. <laughs> um so uh, we see that Marley has got an envelope of cash in his locker. It's because Flick has taken her mum's ring and pawned it so that he can have the money to pay back her dad. Yeah. Like, again, you know, selling a ring, I don't care. I would kill for Marley. I would kill innocent men. <laughs> dozens upon dozens of innocent men I would kill for Marley. But like... Flick's character is just kind of becoming the weeping damsel mm. in the sense that like is is such a strong like the, the kind of strong-willed independent woman that we met at the start of series four is she the person who pawns a ring for 250 quid for a boy it's not I don't I don't think for a second Flick would ever buy in to this Marley I'm paying your dad back thing no she would say he was in the wrong he took advantage of your like poverty basically to manipulate you no i'm just not having it we're not doing this and then flick and like the the thing between them could be my saying no no it's right i don't want any secrets between us i don't want this hanging over my head like that's it but like i just don't believe that flick would be like i'm going to sell my dead mother's jewelry <laughs> by the affection of a, of a boy who you know this is a love for the ages but realistically <laughs> at age 17 you're not selling jewelry to you of anyone are you no well then, so uh, marley we see a few scenes later he goes back to the, the the pawn shop um and then the lady in the pawn shop leads him on by like going on about the price blah 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 that's the cost price you would have to pay more and then she goes wouldn't matter anyway sold it half an hour ago yeah. lol <laughs> open with that just 
she just loves the drama, that woman. I was, yeah. I was here for it. And it's like, the scene doesn't get any more dramatic. No. That, no. She, that she goes, oh, no, the drama here is Marley isn't able to afford it. No, it's just that it's gone. <laughs> yeah, none of that matters. Um, and then we see a scene of Marley being angry at Flick about doing it. Um, Marley has this thing where I think he, like, he has a sort of, like, almost like a hero complex where he feels like he has to work and he has to do it and he can't have any help. He needs to be the one who does it. It's, it's a fate before befitting all the heroes. <laughs> um, so we get uh, Alicia and Danielle bickering about Tash. No one Tash, has. And then Tash starts to feel, like, weak and lightheaded. Um, she falls down a little flight of stairs in front of Steph and then accuses Danielle of pushing her down the stairs. Steph says, just you messaged me before this show, this episode saying there is a line for the ages in it. And yeah. I kept trying to find it. And at one point <laughs> I thought it was Steph going, pride comes before the fall. <laughs> this isn't Hamlet, Steph. As a, te- as a teenage girl who sassed you this morning because you're a bad teacher and has now fallen down the stairs and injured herself. You're not supposed to sit there smugly going, this is my vengeance. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Grantley's back to exploiting Jasmine. He's reverted to type. He's making her mark the adult learner mocks. Um, She's doing it because she feels very guilty. She wouldn't be a very good AC12 agent. No. See, we're just like, we're so late to the line of duty hype that we're now trying to... Like the next few episodes of this, really dominated <laughs> by line of G- like, it's like, oh yeah, we just got there, you know, in the four weeks preceding the final ever episode, we were just like, oh my god, this show's been really good. How, did, how has no one realised it yet? <laughs> this multi BAFTA winning show, which is one of the most talked about and highly rated shows on British television. If any of the many many line of duty recap podcasts want to do a crossover, we're all there. <laughs> So, yeah, Steph, there's a strange thing where Steph shows Tom the writing Tash did while she was in the cooler. Um, and it's sort of a bit all over the place. And Tom suggests dyslexia. And Steph kind of agrees and says that might be the case. Um, it, it's unclear why that's there, considering that we very shortly later learn what was actually going on. Um, I suppose it's like it's... This starts with Rachel saying you're a bad teacher and the episode is going to spend 50 minutes trying to prove that she isn't one. Yeah. Which, but then again, to the show's credit, at the end, which goes, oh no, you still suck as being a teacher. Yeah, yeah she does. You're, you're a bad teacher, but you have a good instinct for when a child might be diabetic. So, <laughs> on. so swings and roundabouts, really. <laughs> you can um, smell diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Dante tells Tom about the adoption plan. Um, Tom immediately goes to 11 with his rage. Hey, men aren't going to come out well in this episode. No, they're really not. Says, oh, that's a stupid thing for her to do. And he basically says to Dante, I'll sort it, mate. Don't you worry. That bird ain't going to get one over on you. <laughs> I have a joke. Um, Dante. <laughs> it's always, always better when you announce it. <laughs> People don't notice otherwise. <laughs> no, because if, if you announce it, the fact that it's poor becomes funnier because I made a, a scene out of it. Whereas if I just slide it in, it's like, oh, that one missed. Now I've made a moment out of it. Dante says, oh, Clive, she ain't budging. He's right. She's a Clarkson. It's better that I announced it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I mean, I mean, it, it <laughs> wouldn't have been recognisable as a joke if you hadn't. 
Tom's um Tom gives us a flame in as well in this scene. Yeah, yeah, it's always always welcome, always welcome. Um, so uh, the girls are playing netball now. Um, in the little cage area we saw for the football they, match. They've, a few weeks they've back. discovered a cage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're back to the cage now. Um, uh, we see that Tash has got sort of cinematically blurred vision. Um, so she goes and like sits at the side of the netball court and then Steph just like looms behind her like a horror villain. <laughs> this whole this whole episode is just Steph bumping into her and Rachel bumping into Steph while she's bumping <laughs> yeah. into her. And Steph's like, you can't see, can you? You can't see. And then and Rachel's like, just doing a shot the only face. Thing, the only thing I see is you. <laughs> so Tash says, oh, I'll, I'll go and see the optician something about that um and then fleur shows up um and jasmine just happens to be walking past it's a good job it was jasmine jasmine is this week's roma who finds essential information yeah yeah yeah. um she shows up to give grantley these tablets that he forgot to bring with him they are tablets to treat uh the pain from her gallstones that he had not a heart attack um it transpires that he has been milking it now, a gallstones essentially the same as that episode of Friends where Joey gets kidney stones. Um, yes. I'm think I'm assuming gallbladder. Yeah, I do. I do know gallbladder. I do know they are incredibly painful. That I do know. <laughs> um, beyond that, I know nothing about them. <laughs> gallstones, so important. Gallbladder out of precipitated bile components. Well, okay. that's where. That's why uh, Grantley. And it gets it. <laughs> Precipitated bile component is definitely the title of Grantley's autobiography. <laughs> I am such a worst. I think if I was ever in that situation, I would just say to doctors, cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to pass what? Where? No, cut it. <laughs> I'm wrong about Grantley's autobiography because obviously I'm not budget, is the title. <laughs> <laughs> Tom goes and confronts Chloe. Um, she says, oh, Tom, you don't understand. He says, no, I don't understand. But you're being stupid. You've got loads of help. You're not bringing up this baby alone. You've got me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Chloe says, very validly, I think, that she wants to want her baby. Um, it'll just be something else we screw up, she says. And a child's life is too important to screw up. And all of that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she goes, full letters to Cleo. <laughs> yeah. Do I, need, do I need to explain that? Yes. They sing I Want You to Want Me at the end of 10 Things I Hear About You. For the kids in the crowds who haven't... You know, 10 Things I Hear About You is on Disney+, Plus and it I is. believe is uncancellable. I don't think it can be cancelled. No, I don't think so. I think it's pretty... I don't think, there's anything, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with Things no. About You. But anything that has Alice and Janney in does not deserve to be cancelled is my statement of fact. Like I don't know. Like first of all, Tom's version. Tom told Dante he'll sort this without yelling. His version of not yelling is bloody questionable. <laughs> um, but I just don't understand how he can listen to what she has just said and still hate what she's doing. Yeah, well, that's what he says. He says, "I don't hate you," because she says, "Please don't hate me." He says, "I don't hate you. I hate what you're doing." And then they have like a hug, and it's supposed to be very heartfelt. Yeah, but like the the show, like. The thing it doesn't do, it, and it runs throughout the next two episodes, is it never stops for a moment to inform us. It tells us what Chloe wants and why she wants it, and the show hates her for it, but at least we know. Whereas 
it tells us what Dante and Tom wants, but it doesn't tell us why. And at no. any point in these episodes, you could tell us that Tom has lost two babies in yeah, his life. And, and, and I think we can join those dots as people who watch it to the extent that we watch it, but the show should be doing more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you know, it, it's like, you know, he has tried on occasions to have babies. He's wanted babies. And this could in, rightly inform his anger because there is an anger about, you know, people who have tried and have been able to have babies. They look at people who want to give them up or don't want to have yeah. them and they can't compute it in their head. And it's like, well, it's always the person with the baby's choice. You can understand why someone outside of that would feel upset. But they never take a second to stop and go, this is why Kai wants it. This, yeah, is, no, like, the- this is why, or no, sorry, this is why Tom thinks the way that he does it's just actually Dante and Tom are on the right side of this and they're going to keep bashing Chloe until she agrees with them yeah now the show just positions it as another one of those oh of course this is right debates mm-hmm. where we're supposed to go well of course we agree with Dante and Tom we don't agree with this silly girl who's got herself into a mess and is trying to get out of it yeah um, so immediately we cut immediately from that heartfelt hug to like grandly open mouth snoring in the staff room. Yeah, yeah. That's the story. Very, very odd juxtaposition. Um, so then Jasmine challenges Grantly in front of everyone in the staff room, um, explains about the gallbladder thing. Uh, they all just laugh it off rather than go, that's incredibly manipulative, Grantly. You have ruined poor Jasmine's day, made us hate her. <laughs> I do love Matt's reaction in this scene, though. When the gallstone medication comes out, Matt's thirst for drama is just yes. perfection. He's like, oh, oh my God, I, I couldn't write this. <laughs> but then Jasmine goes full like Scottish because um, uh, Grantley goes, oh, I was in intensive care. And she says, another stunt and you'll be right back there. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, so uh, it's lunchtime. Tasha and Alicia and Danielle are talking about how Tasha's able to eat all this food and still stay like quote unquote model thin. Um, Tash says she has a fast metabolism. Um, Alicia then points out that that she was quite overweight until year eight, and then something happened. There's lots of they do they do dangle the mysteries here. So you, you start the episode <laughs> going, this girl needs glasses. You spend yeah. the rest of the time going, she needs glasses. Then she's holding her stomach at one point, and you go, oh. Maybe she needs really big glasses. Um, yeah, I, I thought, because with the modelling thing and with the, like, holding the stomach... I, I, I thought they were going to do... Disorder. That's exactly what I was going to say. I thought that's where they were going. In the dartboard of Waterloo Road topics, I thought they exactly were going to eating yeah. disorder like, this week. Big, t- big naughty team topics. Spin the <laughs> wheel. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Rachel suggests to Steph that she's jealous of Tash getting in the papers... Uh, Which is ridiculous, but does sound like Steph. It does sound like Steph. So Steph goes to um, get Tash's file from uh, from Kim's office. Um, The file clearly says that she's type 1 diabetic. Um, At that point, she happens to collapse right outside Steph's classroom, which is really fortunate. Time passes, right? So Steph (laughs) Steph reads this and then goes back to her. Like, at that point, she reads one sheet which says type 1 diabetes, symptoms can include kidney pain and um, blurred vision. And Steph should just go that and go, ah, I'm going to go see her right now because clearly something's yeah. wrong. But instead, she just goes to her room. Like, Steph does, does the research. She just sits in her office and then just reads really slowly. It's like, no, 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 there is a 
there was a, you've just discovered the two bits of evidence you need so there's a medical emergency but, happening so to like, a child. The thing that got me was, so that's all in her file, so the school is obviously aware. At, at no point have they noticed a significant, a significant physical change to begin with, and then the way she's been acting. Yeah, with that kind of thing, you'd have someone at the school who like liaises with them about it. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, just spitballing, but a head of pastoral care, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but like, Kim's just like, she hasn't come across my desk, which is usually a good thing. It's like, well, no, it usually means that you're just ignoring a child with diabetes yeah. at your school. It means you've been incredibly negligent in your juices. <laughs> the, no. the Kim of series one would not have missed that. No, no, maybe, maybe if the EpiPen had a baby that she could rescue. <laughs> Um, so uh, the, I don't know so the, the nurse comes to, 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 to check on Tash because she's passed out says her sugar is too high um, gives her the insulin um, says there's no way her, her sugar level should be that high um, basically she's been refusing to take her insulin and they, they initially don't know why well, why, why it, right, so this whole scene is just fascinating so it's just like <laughs> She needs sugar. I'm just gonna ram this random what looks like one of those old Lucasade tablets. <laughs> like down. Well, at first throat. she says, at first she says Mars bar, but they obviously couldn't clear the logo. So yeah. <laughs> oh, here's here's this non-discreet. It could be a peppermint tablet for all I know. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's put this in there. But then a nurse comes in and Steph's like, right, all right, come on, let's get this down her throat. It's like, no, 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 Steph, now is the time when you step back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you learnt about this condition 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I know you've done the reading. You just read a fact sheet. <laughs> also, and also, Tasha, like again, I can't, I can't vouch for any expertise. But I think if you're having the state of like shock that she goes in there, and I'm not quite sure what the correct term for it is it is for it, but she is on the ground, she is unable to function, she is writhing, she's kicking about. She gets in, injected with her um, with with her insulin. And then within seconds, probably eight seconds, Danielle and Alicia have her up on her feet and they're walking her off. Like, no, no, no. The ground is cleared and she stays there for a good amount of time while she gets her breath. Yeah. Um, so we get, now we get two very, very good Rose Kelly scenes in pretty much quick succession. There's a brilliant chat between her and Marley where she basically just tells Marley to get over himself. Stop being so proud. Accept that Flicky loves you. You are the greatest love story of British popular culture of the noughties. Grow because up. Pride is a terrible thing because as we know, it comes before... It comes before a fall. It does. It it does. does. As, as the great poet Steph. <laughs> and then we get... Um, so Grantley's now palmed off the mock papers onto Tom. Uh, he marks it, goes to tell Rose that she, in his words, romped it. Very strange. Um, they, they talk about it being a finger up to those who thought she was just a sinker state alky mum. Like Tom just says that line to just drag all hype out of the scene. Like yeah. there's just so much joy, and he just goes, "Do you remember how you're a poor alcoholic?" But then Rose just punches it by saying, it's a, it, "Tom says a finger up to those people," and Rose just says, "Oh, like you said." <laughs> and it's perfect. Rose is yeah. so good in this scene. Do you remember, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago when you were waterboarding me? <laughs> Shouting, does everything only get better when you get pissed? <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, like, try to drown me for having a drink, you know, when I'm an alcoholic, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. very, very unusual. Um, so uh, they're, they're sort of... <sighs> they're grilling Tash about why she didn't take her insulin. 
she says that she notices she loses weight when she doesn't take it and puts uh, it on when she does take it. She's asked, is being thin worth going blind for? The mum worries that she could have died. And she says, if I'm fat, I may as well be. If I'm not a model, I'm not anything. This was the line I told you to look out for. If I'm fat, I might as well be dead. My God. The thing is, right, here it is. Let's have a conversation as for this show. Let's have a couple of episodes of conversation around body dysmorphia and, yes. eating, and eating disorders. Because, you know, it's, everyone has a different relationship with their body and how they look. And, you know, I'll, I've admitted loads of things on this podcast. I'll admit there are some days where I don't look in mirrors because of how I feel. That's totally legitimate. But this show isn't having that conversation. It's just saying this girl with diabetes just has to be thin for some reason. And she'd rather be dead than not be. And it's like, spend a few days, like a few episodes, introducing us to this character. You've, you've got an hour a week, guys. Yeah. You've got plenty of time. You know, all the big stuff doesn't even make it in the bloody previously ons. Yeah, like Just... even even within this episode, which is quite a lean episode in terms of story, there's not a lot going on. They spend more did... time trying to misdirect you with the idea that she could need, just need glasses. Yeah, interrogate but... the issue instead. Yeah. They don't spend any time with the issue. And so when she says this line, which, you know, that character and real life teenagers like her might well believe exactly that earnestly. Mm -hmm. But you have to make us believe that within the show, because in isolation, it just is like the maddest line ever. (laughs) And then instead of going, that's a ridiculous thing to think, like Steph and Rachel, like do sympathetic faces and go, oh, yeah, being fat is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... (laughs) I just, I couldn't get my head around it. And then the big emotional payoff of the whole storyline is that she goes over to Steph and says, sorry for calling you a cow. But she is a cow. (laughs) You weren't weren't wrong, Tash. She is a cow. And she can't speak French. No. So she lets her funky music do the talking. Um, So, yeah, we get get Alicia and Danielle making up very briefly. Um, They're talking about going for fish and chips. Uh, so Chloe asks Dante why he told Tom about the adoption. Dante says he can't sit back and let her do this. He says nothing ever seems to be good enough for her. He just wants to make her happy and he can't. And she says, it's just not the right time for this. In 10 years, you'll be tripping over babies when you come back from your amazing job. But now is not the time. I think like at one point, because we said this a lot in series three, which is Dante does often have a point with Chloe, which is that Dante puts in a lot of the effort that Chloe doesn't give back. Like mm. we forget that they broke up because Chloe slept with someone else. Dante didn't. Yeah. And then Dante always wanted to be back with her. He's always done. He's always jumped through the hoops. Like it's, it's a fair point, but not necessarily after an hour of him being a bit of an unreasonable prick. Yeah. Like it's, because the thing that's so unrelatable about this story is that no one for a mo like close sees Dante's side of things, but we never see it. Dante no. never sees close side of things. And again, no one ever sits for a second and go, why does Dante want this child other than the fact that he's related to it? Hmm. What what's, that's what's it. The there's nothing here? like 
in particularly in the first series, we spent a lot of time with Dante's like home life, and yet we still have no context for why he is so keen yeah. to have this baby right this second. Um, because we, you know, we're inclined to agree with Chloe. They have not shown a great aptitude for handling their lives now. They didn't even do the classic teen, you know, school thing where they have to look after an egg for a week, you know, no. or a bag of flour, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And they never did any of that. So, it, yeah, it all just uh, doesn't ring true. Um, so then we get uh, Rachel kind of apologising to Steph. But as, as you alluded to earlier, she says, um, you, you were right about this, but it's a fair comment about your teaching. You do need to improve your teaching, but you have great instincts for the, for the welfare of the kids. Um, yeah, I, I did like Rachel basically saying, you are still on a tightrope here because I have noticed. Rachel, in like right now, she's kind of done with everyone's nonsense. I feel yeah. like she's just, she doesn't have a lot of patience for this anymore. Yeah, she's like you in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I got us business and enterprise status and all it cost me was my secret pass as a prostitute. And <laughs> now I'm just kind of bored of you all. And I'm in a relationship with a man I have zero chemistry with. <laughs> Um, so we then see uh, Marley going to this is a strange scene because Marley and Flick are going to like hand the money over to her dad but we don't see like the handover or anything we just it see feels them, like, like we should <laughs> they like walk around this lovely area where the Mellors live it's like this really nice sort of bricky street next to a church and it's obviously like the, we talk a lot about how you can tell how characters are supposed to be positioned by the homes we see them live in <laughs> And then you have this scene, and then you have immediately next, you go to where Rose and all the family Exactly. Are. Exactly. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe that juxtaposition is the only reason this scene is there. Because, mm. yeah, it feels like the moment where Flick and Marley tell Flick's dad, we're together, here is your money back. Yeah, yeah. Should be like, and, oh, I sold mum's ring, her one dying gift to me. Yeah. Like, that feels like a scene that we should see. Definitely. Um... So we see Rachel and Eddie talking. It's a very brief scene. Uh, Rachel tells Eddie that she's happy to go public and that they're definitely exclusive. I've never rooted for anything less than Mason and Eddie. Like, I reckon I have more investment in Austin Villa matches than these two. (laughs) Um, So as you alluded to, we now go and see uh, the area where Rose lives, which is uh, not a good-looking area. Uh, Tom's just been loitering in his car. Um, which must be setting some local alarm bells ringing. <laughs> they all loiter around there. <laughs> um, he tells this weird story about how he stole some mint imperials from an old woman in a wheelchair when he was he, a kid. <laughs> he buries the lead, I'm going to say, because <laughs> the purpose of this exchange is for him to say, look, I don't see you that way. We all have baggage. Some is just more yes. public than others. So exactly. he opens with, I stole some mint imperials. I splurted custard out of my nose. I cheated on my wife on our wedding day with our best mate. <laughs> yeah, it's like, suddenly, I was I was quite outraged about the mint imperial story when I heard it. And then we got to the third story and I was like, oh, no. She probably had more in the packet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's... There's, there's a certain escalation of activity there, really, isn't there? And, like, also, don't equate it with her alcohol. Like, again, this show makes alcoholism out as if it's a, a choice. 
and it's mm. so annoying because it yeah. isn't like no. how Rose acted it's because it's just it's a part of you being an addict is a part of someone and it has to be managed like any physical or like um emotional illness it just has to be managed that way but the show is just like hey we all do bad stuff so you drink and sometimes you yell I caused the death of two women um also, so yes sorry they'll go on what Tom has banging luck with the women in his life always just being really well dressed like <laughs> the episode of um one of the episodes that just came out recently where Davina and it's like Davina walks in this like beautiful garden sundress for no apparent reason for just a normal night and then yeah. he's just like he's loitering outside Rose's house just be nice to her and then she comes up looking like a 10 out of 10 in this dress that we've never <laughs> seen her wear before <laughs> Yeah, um, so he gives us some flowers. Uh, back at Tom's house, Dante has packed a bag and he's going to his dad's. He says he doesn't want to be with Chloe anymore. And that's where the episode ends. I, I think, I, I thought this up until the next episode, that the show was doing a decent job of showing that Chloe for herself is making the right call for herself, but that doesn't, the, the right call doesn't necessarily convince the people around you. Yeah. And I think from that perspective, it's well written, but it's also, it's very overshadowed by the loudness of the male performances around her yeah. and the kind of the implicit framing in the show that she is being selfish, she's doing this for her and the, the, the men are right. It's, you know, why can you do this? This we The show has said from the get-go, what you're doing, Chloe, is morally wrong. We're not going to give any positive side of it. So I, it, on one hand, it just show her up against the world and the consequences of what you think are the right choices. But it does, the show does itself doesn't have enough sympathy with her mm. to let us kind of believe it. And at this precise point, it's not clear what him leaving her does for his argument here. If, mm. if he leaves her, that makes it easier, not harder for her to give up the baby. At this point, we learn in the next, in the next time trailer, in fact, that yeah. there's a legal thing he's going to exploit um, where he can divorce her and have sole custody. But he doesn't learn about that till the next episode. So there's yeah. no way he knew that at this point. It feels like he's like shooting his argument in the foot. Surely he would be better off appealing to her on an emotional level with his argument. Yeah. Just men. I'm not a fan of men. Because the show is doing a pregnancy thing, it's going to force her hand. And we see in the next time trailer that she's giving birth at the school. Uh, we see the sort of clash with Dante about the divorce and we see the home office turning up to uh, confront Kim. I do not like the next episode. <laughs> it really troubles me. Um, there's a lot in it that I like. Before we, well, we won't talk about that. What we will talk about is how weird this episode is. I feel like it achieves nothing. I don't... Because Steph kind of ends it in the same place she started... Yeah. Like the show isn't proving that she's a good teacher. Like no. it's not with Rachel saying it, it makes it makes a note of proving that she's not a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, and this whole thing starts because one of the students just calls her out on being a bad teacher. Yeah, and, and like that kid that, and you've got it's all supposed to be anchored by this kid of the week storyline, which is not only throwaway and not given enough time, but it's a repeat of stories we've seen in the very very recent past. Yeah, the one memorable moment is when a child just yells, "If I'm fat, I might as well be dead." And it's like, "What? Where, yeah. What?" 
a child we've yeah we've never seen before or since and had no depth on their storyline whatsoever most of it was a, a steph led mystery about what could be wrong with her anything that's steph led I'm, I'm genuinely against <laughs> yeah i feel like the the basic problem here is that they decided to make her condition like a twist yeah, and in doing that, they meant they couldn't explore the context because they couldn't have time. With like a lot of kid, like classic kid of the week storylines, is the, the episode starts with them, and it starts with them doing the thing that the teachers will then uncover. But instead, yeah. they decide to structure it around finding out what they need to uncover. Whereas the whole thing takes on a lot more sense if we see her at the start do a blood test. It says you need to take it she refuses and then from there yeah. you spend the rest of the day seeing her have symptoms but then all of the kind of the story like oh why are you so thin and she, her saying oh i need to be thin to be a model or whatever that kind of has context and becomes a stronger thing for us to yeah. kind of understand because okay. there's one shot it's like immediately before she passes out she's in the bathroom and she's obviously feeling herself about to pass out and she gets her insulin out and is about to inject it, and then she's like, oh, and she decides not to. But we yeah. don't really know why in the moment, and so it doesn't make any sense. To be fat is to be dead, Tom. Yeah, if, if there's a take-home message from this episode. I don't, I don't think that'll work as an out-of-context episode title. No, it won't. It certainly won't. That's, that's grounds for account cancelling, that is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, given my physical state after a year of lockdown, I'm in no position to title anything to be fat is to be dead. <laughs> Look, I've, I've been on a hard diet of chocolate and Waterloo Road for the course of this lockdown. I remember early on when we did this, you used to go to the shop to buy chocolate before an episode, then you used to bring me fizzy drinks. That was yeah. nice. I miss those times. Yeah. That was back in lockdown one where we all had a bit of community spirit. Now it's a bit like... Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> yeah. Now we just hate everyone around us and just want to see a different person. Yeah. Um, play out song. It kind of has to be Can't Speak French, I think. Well, it's the only one I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's in, in tribute to Stepe Dot's dubious language skills, which fluctuate week to week on this show.